This is a Federal News Network podcast. As the pandemic drags on, House leadership is pushing for a rules change to allow members to vote in person on behalf of members not there. Some say that plan doesn't even go far enough and have pushed to hold votes, hearings and markups through online video platforms. To test that idea, former members of Congress and good government groups tried mock hearings. For more, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with Marcy Harris, the CEO and co-founder of PopVox. But first, you'll hear the voice of the policy director at Demand Progress, Daniel Schumann. So up to this point, Congress has planned for continuity in the context of a plane crashing into the buildings or other sort of 9-11 style problems or the anthrax attack that took place in 2001. But what they haven't considered is when the danger arises from proximity to other people, when just being present, when just coming together creates the danger for members of Congress. And if this is something that is prolonged, if you have a prolonged pandemic, what it means is that the legislative branch simply cannot function. So what they need is an alternative where when the members distribute themselves across the country in the way that they need to, so they don't come together physically, that they're still able to do the work that they need to do to pass laws, to conduct oversight, to confirm appointments, to make sure that the gears of the federal government don't grind to a halt when Congress isn't able to be physically present. Walk me through a little bit more of how this mock remote hearing and markup happened and how did it go? So Marcy and I had been talking about the issue of remote voting for several weeks. It was clear as the coronavirus started to sweep the world that there were going to be significant problems with the way that legislatures functioned. We saw in Iran, their parliament basically had to disband. All the members of the Georgia House have sequestered themselves. So it was clear to us that this was going to happen at the federal level, that they weren't planning for it, that they weren't even thinking about it. So we had to do the thinking for them so that when they finally realized that this would be a problem, that they basically be set to implement these sort of emergency procedures. We looked at sort of two tracks. One was, can they do this, looking at the Constitution and the rules and things like that? And the second question was, well, how do they do this? And that's where the planning for remote hearings came into play, where Marcy really led the effort, and I supported her on it, to go and find former members of the House, to find the former parliamentarians, and to do a mock hearing slash markup, where I played the role of the clerk, for example. And the goal was just to see Could you actually do the things that you need to do? Could you question witnesses? Could you hold a vote? How would you know who's speaking? How do you keep track of who's voted? How do you offer amendments? What does that look like? The best way to find out whether something works is to try it. So that's what we did is we basically put together a script of things that we thought needed to be done. And then we tried to see how do the interactions change when you're not there physically in person? Is it better? Is it worse? Is it the same? How do you offer and consider an amendment? How do you go and make sure that the witnesses stay on time when they give their five-minute opening remarks? And what we found is that while there are some hiccups that happen through the process, largely because people are unfamiliar with some of the technology, it worked pretty well. The remote proceedings that we undertook look a lot like the real hearings and the real markups that take place in the House and in the Senate, that the technology that we tried out, in this case it was Zoom, although there's other conferencing software that works equally well, is actually well suited to the parliamentary style of conversation where you have one speaker at a time and people raise their hand in essence to be recognized and where you conduct votes by voice oftentimes so you have a clerk that's tallying it, that you don't really need sophisticated technology to make this work, that the off-the-shelf commercial technology to address the openness and the transparency and the operational requirements largely exists and it works pretty well 
right now in an emergency circumstance. So were they to adopt it, there would be some training required so that people become familiar with the technology. But a lot of the hard questions that people are asking about authenticity and security and privacy, well, in an open public proceeding like this, those things either don't matter or they're satisfied by the nature of the platform. Circling back on, can they do this? Are there procedural, are there constitutional hurdles to rolling this out? In my opinion, there are not constitutional hurdles, although there are some people who argue otherwise. The Constitution, Article 1, Section 5, requires members to be present, but it doesn't define what present means. And it leaves under the same provision of the Constitution the ability of the House and the Senate to set their own rules to determine whether members are present for a quorum or whether they are voting. So the House and Senate have changed their rules for determining whether you're there over time. I also spoke with Marcy Harris, the CEO and co-founder of PopVox, a platform that allows members of Congress to keep in touch with constituents. I asked about her testimony before the House Modernization Committee and whether Congress has the tech capacity to handle remote work. Over the past year, I was really privileged to work with a small group of political scientists who were making recommendations for the Modernization Committee as a part of the American Political Science Association's, I think it's called the Committee on Congressional Reform. And and I was on a smaller task force on technology and innovation. So we actually did a really deep, long, big dive into how Congress deals with technology, both at a policy level and also for its own operation. And we identified a problem that exists where it comes to Congress and technology that we stole the term from the science literature of a pacing problem, which is describing the fact that technology develops exponentially. So it's kind of improving year over year and, and, and its capacity doubling year over year. And policy develops at best linearly. So what you have there is this gap every year between where technology is going and where policy is. And that grows every year. And our small task force identified that Congress not only experiences that as one problem, it actually has three problems. So there's the external pacing problem, which is the Facebook hearings were the perfect example that Congress in many cases doesn't have the expertise or the understanding of technology to be able to really dig in and conduct oversight or make laws that are appropriate for the way technology is operating in society. And then there's the interbranch pacing problem because Congress keeps giving the executive branch lots of money and lots of authority and lots of directives to improve its own technologies for implementing laws and running federal agencies. But Congress doesn't give itself similar resources to upgrade its own technology and upgrade its own ability to oversee what the executive branch is doing. And then the third pacing problem is the internal pacing problem, and that's the fact that Congress doesn't really make use of modern technology and processes for its own operation. So, you know, it might take one person doing something a short period of time if they were doing it in the corporate world because they had tons of tools at their disposal. Congress, in many cases, would still be doing it a manual way or with old tools and old processes. So that depletes the capacity of staff and means that they're spending a lot of time on small tasks instead of applying their resources to the larger questions. So that kind of culture within Congress is something that I think the Modernization Committee is working to help the institution address, and we certainly had lots of recommendations about how they could do that. What's really interesting about this situation now is that it is accelerating the need for Congress to go through that kind of evolution 
for what might have taken years in the span of a few weeks. And the question is, well, are they up for that? And the answer is they have to be. So we saw over the past couple of weeks, the chief administrative officer, my understanding, has approved software for use by congressional offices that was pending for years. So whether it's Slack or Zoom or other off-the-shelf technologies that offices were trying to experiment with, all of a sudden, past couple of weeks, they were approved. There's a lot of things like that that under normal circumstances, there's not a great incentive for Congress to act quickly or to be open for innovation or trying new things. And this current situation changes that. Marcy Harris, CEO and co-founder of PopVox. And earlier you heard from Daniel Schumann, policy director at Demand Progress, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.